And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. It is Monday. And Super Spy Tom King has shown his colors, folks. Let's do this. Let's do something a little bit more, something a little bit more appropriate for Mr. Tom King. A little more super spy-ish. Because Tom King likes to remind us he worked at the CIA before going into comics. What a weekend it has been. Um... And we're going to get into it a little bit. Hello, everyone. Welcome. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. And dumb stuff. Dumb stuff all weekend. And instigated by Tom King. And we are going to get into that in a little bit. First of all, uh, a little reaction to Comic-Con at home, which was really kind of a big nothing burger. And it just goes to show, if people are paying attention, my takeaway on this, and I'm, and I'm guessing probably some other takeaways on this, some other people having the same takeaway, is that San Diego Comic-Con is completely irrelevant without the Hollywood factor. Because the people who go to San Diego Comic-Con go for the celebrities and they go for Hall H panels and they go for the big show. And the fact that Comic-Con was not able to put together any kind of a big show this year and the fact that they didn't have that many celebrities kind of indicates to me that without the Hollywood factor... San Diego Comic-Con would be just another Comic-Con like any other. 20,000, 30,000 people, not 150, 180,000. I mean, if you look at the views on the videos on Comic-Con's channel, they're not that many. 929, 606, 529, uh, 1,800, 532, 343. There are not that many people looking at Comic-Con's videos. Is Comic-Con irrelevant without the Hollywood element? We didn't get very much in the way of announcements or news or anything like that. I mean, usually... The way Comic-Con would work, you have your big Hall H presentation and then they debut a trailer there for people to see. And then once once you get past 
Comic-Con, then maybe video starts to roll out a little bit. So we'll get a trailer. We'll get some sneak peeks or whatnot. And we don't get any of that. CBS All Access dropping a trailer for Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we're finally getting a premiere date. It's October. And that comes after Comic-Con at Home is done. So, you know, you look at outfits like uh, Disney doing D23. It's their own Comic-Con type event. Warner Brothers has been thinking about it. HBO, all, all, these, all of these studios and media entities are starting to consider doing their own events. We see DC now getting ready to do this big fandom thing, DC and Warner Brothers. So they're probably not even going to be doing very much in the way of Comic-Con anymore. Has Comic-Con finally been put in its place? That's, that's a question. I'm not saying they have. I'm not saying that Comic-Con has failed. But I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to make a prediction that next year's Comic-Con in San Diego is not going to look like last year's Comic-Con in San Diego. And all of that is because of this year's Comic-Con in San Diego. I think a lot of the media outlets, a lot of the studios are starting to realize they don't need San Diego Comic-Con. This is how we've always done it. But now that you can't do it the way you've always done it, you're realizing, and I think you're going to have a lot, of, a lot of folks start to realize, you don't have to do it the way you've always done it. Because we've got the internet. And the internet allows us to just put this stuff out there for thousands of people to see all around the world, unless your video is geo-locked for whatever reason. And you don't need Comic-Con anymore. You don't need any Comic-Con. Not just San Diego. You don't need any of them. You don't need, I mean, if Disney Disney wanted to do away with D23, they could. All they got to do is just go on YouTube, here are all the trailers for our shows. Peace out. The Comic-Con, as, as an, as a, a, an event for announcements, okay, if you're going to do that, but what if you can't? And we're seeing the results of that, if you can't. What happens? Comic-Con becomes irrelevant. And I think one of the things that we're going to see coming out of this is not just the studios are going to realize it, but fans, people who attend these Comic-Cons. We've seen for a number of years people complaining that San Diego Comic-Con has become nothing about comic books, which is the way it started. So why even go? New York Comic Con is headed that way. They had to split out the the Hollywood bit and the comic book bit in order to satisfy certain people who are not happy with the fact that New York Comic Con has turned into another San Diego with too much emphasis on Hollywood. Hollywood is not where they make comic books. And if you're going to make a comic con, if you're going to make a comic book convention, then your priority should be comic books. And then the comic book movies and the TV shows, because without the comic books, you don't have the shows. And I think a lot of people fail to realize that, or they, they intentionally ignore that fact. So, and I think that's going to come back to bite them. Robert, hello in the chat. 
Uh, yeah, Star Trek Lower Decks does not look like anything that I want to watch. It is, uh, it is just basically Rick and Morty in cosplay. It looks absolutely stupid. And we didn't get, you know, speaking of Star Trek, that's a perfect example. You had this 45-minute, one-hour-long, uh, basically love-in, feel-good, let's-pat-each-other-on-the-back, you know, Mutual Appreciation Society video that does absolutely nothing but look how great we are. Look how great you are. Oh, you're great. Oh, you're great. Oh, it was so fun working with you. Oh, you're great. Oh, you're great. No, let's read this script for this episode that's already out that everybody's seen. Oh, wait. It got struck on copyright grounds by CBS. Thanks, YouTube. And the only news that we get about Star Trek is the Prodigy announcement, which was kind of... Oh, by the way, we've got... The new show on Nickelodeon is going to be called Prodigy. Here's the logo. Now back to our Mutual Admiration Society, brought to you by the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. By the way, did you know the Legal Defense Fund and NAACP does this, this, this? Oh, and by the way, did you know the NAACP has a Legal Defense Fund? Is this a, is this a panel for Star Trek, or is this a, uh, an infomercial for the NAACP? I don't have anything against the NAACP, but come on, priorities here. What what are we what are we doing here? Are we talking about Star Trek or are we using our platform for Star Trek to promote an agenda that doesn't have anything to do with entertainment? I don't know. We'll see. Robert uh, in the chat, interested in speculation about permanent or long-term changes of COVID, but think the intangible hype of San Diego Comic-Con will still add value to studios releasing trailers. I th maybe. Maybe. If, if the internet wasn't a thing as much as it is a thing, it would be... Uh, it would be something I think would consider that San Diego Comic-Con would be the thing. Uh, it, you know, with its proximity to Los Angeles and it's become this entrenched thing with Hollywood, they'll probably want to go back. But, you know, who's going to do a panel? Because now you, the virtual stuff is only good for so much. And I say that having been trying to get more events to appreciate the idea of virtual stuff, live stream coverage and all of that. But the stuff that I want to do with events is not the, the virtual convention. It's more the news coverage, the news reporting side of things. So it's a little bit different, but I can understand this, this kind of stuff only goes so far if you're not really there, if you're not actually at the event. And if there's nobody at the event because there is no event, then that doubles the conundrum here. What value does this event have if there's no event? If the virtual event is all you can do and it's only really a hollow shell of itself, how much value does the original event actually have? I think a lot of events, a lot of organizers are going to be doing a, a lot of self-examination and a lot of reevaluation on just what kind of events they can put together. How much COVID affects it? 
is, you know, that's a factor. The online aspects of things, that's going to be a factor. Um, I don't know. But let's get into this. Uh, let's get into this uh, really fun stuff that happened over the weekend. Uh, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. Now, normally, we now, let, me, let me be clear that my, my solo outings on this show, Live from the Bunker, is uh, at, at its core supposed to be an interview program. There are days we don't have interviews. And we're chasing people now to try to line some stuff up. But in those times we don't have interviews, I get to rant. And this is all my opinion, the views expressed by the host of the show, and all of that. So consider the disclaimers all flipped out there. So let's go. Tom King, writer of DC Comics, former agent of the CIA... Uh, in the middle of Comic-Con at home, decided to lob this grenade into the mix. Today, uh, quote, today DC put out an alternate cover to Rorschach by Jay Lee, who has also done covers for Comicsgate, a hate group. DC does not consult creators on alternate covers. I reached out to them to express my deep disappointment. Far as I'm concerned, this is the cover to Rorschach number one. Now, I'm going to completely ignore the fact that we've got another book about Rorschach that doesn't even have Rorschach in it, is my understanding, and uh, is based on the whole Watchmen continuity, which if you go back and look at how all of that developed, you could understand why Alan Moore is rather put out with DC Comics, because the rights to the Watchmen was supposed to re revert back to Alan Moore and, and Dave Gibbons once the book went out of print. And DC has never stopped printing this book. And now they're exploiting the book. And it, I, I would have to look into it. I did not do the research to see if Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons are going to get anything off of this new material, which is derivative of their material. I don't know. So Tom King is an ass. And he comes out and he calls out Jay Lee. There are a few things that I have, a few, a few problems that I have with this tweet. One, the timing of it. Two, uh, today DC put out an alternate cover to Rorschach by Jay Lee. Now, so it's a variant cover. Now, in the world of comic books, the variant cover is an alternate that if you're a collector, okay, great, we're going to get all 52... 75 covers of this same book. I'm going to collect them and whichever one ends up being the rare one, it's worth money in 50 years, whatever. So that's one thing. He says, Jay Lee has done covers for Comicsgate, a hate group. One, Comicsgate is not a hate group, as near as I can figure. Two, Tom Kane lobs this allegation against both Jay Lee and Comicsgate saying they're a hate group without showing any kind of information to back up his allegation. Now, stop and consider that Tom King worked for the CIA in Afghanistan. I'm going to get to I'm going to get to more on that in a minute, but I want to I want to plant that nugget out there for for people to consider. This is a preemptive strike. This is a PSYOPs 
preemptive strike here, folks. Now, Jay Lee did a co uh, cover for Comics Game Hate Group. Now, specifically, he did a he did a variant cover for Cyberfrog to Wrecked Planet, which is Ethan Van Skyver's project. Ethan, okay, fine, claims Comicsgate as a label, whatever. What is Comicsgate? Comicsgate is a, is a consumer movement that shifts and changes in the definition of Comicsgate, you know, depending on the day of the week and the time of the day and who's saying it. Comicsgate is different things to different people. But at the core of Comicsgate, as near as I can find, you have a bunch of people, black, white, Asian, gay, straight, left, right, all who are tired of the BS coming out of the professionals at the mainstream comics publishers, Tom King being one of them. The politics and the preaching and the propaganda and the, and the, the virtue signaling. Okay, so now I want you to stop and consider what he's doing here. Jay Lee, who has also done covers for Comicsgate, a hate group, by... By connecting those two, by saying Jay Lee has done work for Comicsgate and Comicsgate is a hate group, he is, by association, trying to virtue signal and call out Jay Lee for being part of a hate group. He wants to associate Jay Lee with a hate group. We'll get back to that. I'm going to circle back around to this because this, the, some of this stuff is really important in the grand scheme of things, because we get into the cancel cult again here. What does Tom King have against Jay Lee? Jay Lee has been in the business for decades. Jay Lee has been in the comics business longer than Tom King has. He's got more street cred in comics than Tom King's got. Continuing on here, DC does not consult creators on alternate covers. So, wah, the company I work for didn't ask me about something I don't have any control over. Boo-hoo, Tom King, you big man baby. Do you have it in your contract that you get to approve alternate covers? Do you have it in your contract you get to approve variants? on your books because unless it's in your contract that you can approve everything associated with the books you write, then you've got squat here. DC does not consult creators and alternate covers. I reach out to them to express my deep disappointment. I'm going to use my white privilege and call my boss and say, you guys made a mistake with this Asian artist. Jay Lee is Korean. Far as I'm concerned, this is the cover to Rorschach 1. So he's basically saying, we're not even going to acknowledge Jay Lee's work as part of this project. Uh, Robert in the chat, Tom King actively trying to divert attention from the nebulous abusing women allegations against him as a writer on movie sets. I have not heard that. I I saw I saw some discussion about uh the the timing of this being uh King looking to divert attention away from himself. That's something that I had not heard specifics on because I was looking for it. Uh th so thank you for that. I will look into that 
if you've got uh, if you've got information on on articles or links, because I have not seen that particular accusation against Tom King, um, but I will look into it and and get a little deeper into this. So after this tweet goes out on Twitter on July twenty fourth, which was what Friday, right in the middle of Comics Gate at home. The internet, Twitter, the Twitterati, what Richard Meyer calls the 12 crazy people on Twitter, blew up. And Jay Lee is not on Twitter. Jay Lee is not on social media very much. So did Jay Lee even see this? We don't know. But a few hours later, Tom King posts this. I spoke with Jay. He's not on Twitter, didn't know Comicsgate existed, and doesn't support hate of any kind. We're all good, best possible outcome. So, we're all good by your definition, Mr. King? He's not on Twitter, didn't know Comicsgate existed, and doesn't support hate of any kind. What, what did he say that leads you to that conclusion? This reeks of white privilege if we're going to go down that road. I spoke with Jay. He's not on Twitter. He's, he doesn't even know about Comicsgate until I told him about Comicsgate. And he doesn't support hate. Again, going back to linking Comicsgate with hate. Oh, well, you know, well Jay's not like that. And so we're all good. Like... Like Tom, like Jay Lee needs Tom King's approval to exist or some BS like that. Turns out, Jay Lee did have some thoughts about this. And this, this is where, I don't want to say this is where it gets interesting. But this is where it gets interesting, in that Chinese curse type of way. Jay Lee posting on Instagram, one, this says one day ago, so this I guess would be yesterday. This is a photograph, a memorial for Jay and June's dog, Loki. Jay posts here, quote, Two weeks ago, June and I took Loki to San Diego to see a specialist. He did not survive due to complications from the surgery. This past Friday was supposed to be a day of mourning. We were back in San Diego to pick up his ashes. We were going to take him to the beach and comfort each other by sharing our favorite stories about our little boy. Instead, a part of the internet I avoid like the plague, and I would take that to mean Twitter, came barging in. I had companies I'm working for calling me. So that's at least D.C. Friends reaching out to me. Have you heard all of this about what, you, what people are saying about you? I'm seeing hate pouring out of strangers' mouths, accusing me of things I have no knowledge of. And I would say that's probably a direct extension off of Tom King trying to associate Jay Lee with a hate group quote-unquote, so-called. Continuing here. I'm seeing firsthand how fast lies are spreading. Let me be clear. I am not part of any group. Tom King's a liar. 
We never made it to the beach. We spent the entire six-hour drive back home on an emotional roller coaster. I'm writing this because I'm angry. And I would say justifiably so. Continuing, these irresponsible tweets are not harmless. They do not just go away. They have real-world consequences. They can take away your job, your life, your memories. June and I were robbed of a special day. So no, we're not all good. And he puts that in quotes. And I would say that's probably a direct shot across the bow at the racist comments from Tom King. And I am going to say that they're racist. I'm going to get into that here in a minute. Continuing on Jay Lee's post. This isn't the start of a conversation. This is the end. So please don't drag me into a world I never wanted to be a part of, nor will I ever want to be a part of. I want to honor Loki by going back to producing art made with love for people who enjoy it for what it is, something that hopefully brings joy into their lives. Mommy and Daddy miss you so very much, Loki, our love. Now, I hate to say this, but whether Jay Lee wants to be dragged into this or not, is it's too late for that. It would be too late. It's too late for Jay Lee to avoid this. Because here's, here's the thing. In this day and age of cancel culture and us versus them, and you're either with us or you're against us and you're on our side or not or their side and the right side of history and all that stuff. Listen, if we get into a point where we are, let's, let's, let's just game this out. <clears throat> if the culture war erupts into an actual civil war, the only people who win are the people who survive. And those are the people who are going to write the history, whether they're North, South, slave owners, not slave owners, black, white, Asian, fat, skinny. Whoever is the last man standing, because they're the last ones, they're the only ones who are going to be able to tell the story. When the comics industry implodes the survivors are going to be the ones who get get to tell the story have to tell the story they'll take a look around and they hopefully will do a little bit of self-examination and say oops we did this to ourselves the comics professionals so-called will only have themselves to blame when sales plummet like they are already doing. <clears throat> Peter Samedi responding to, uh, to Tom King here. Here, allow me to fix your statement so it looks like you don't support censorship of the arts and you aren't trying to ruin Jay Lee's life. Today, DC put out an alternate cover to Rorschach by the tremendously talented Jay Lee, and it's pretty awesome. Check it out below. Here's, here's the thing. Um, Jay Lee does not need Tom King's approval for squat. 
this and and I've I've seen I've seen some interesting comparisons to the moral majority of the 80s. And I didn't really agree with the moral majority back then because I thought they were a little bit over the top. I thought they were a little bit reactionary. Um I think when you get a taste of the power that you have, and, and again, this is not about political party. Let's be clear about this. This is not about political party in the sense of Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal. It's not about that. It's about power and control. That is all of this. Everything that you're seeing with the riots and the protests and the government, and everything. The masks. You got to wear your mask. Prove what a good little citizen you are. All of this is about power and control. I want power. I get power. I'm going to do anything that I can to keep power. And that's what this is. And we're going to deflect, and we're going to denigrate, Anybody that threatens that power or if we become a target, we're going to throw some red meat out out there so they can, you know, we can distract and have have them pay attention to something else. Pay no attention to the racist behind the curtain. Go look over here. Here's a hate group to 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 go after. Accusations without proof is called slander and libel. Tom King. Jay Lee does not need Tom Kane to Tom King's approval. I knew I was going to do that. Not Tom Kane. Tom Kane is our friend. Tom King. I knew I was going to do. It. I even told myself, I said, make sure, be careful how you pronounce that. Tom King. Jay Lee does not need Tom King's approval. Now, I told you this is where the story gets interesting. Now, here's where the story takes a left turn and shows that Tom King is a despicable person. Jay Lee had posted this. Uh, this on Instagram, it says here a day ago, after which Tom King posts this photo of his dog with the caption, good afternoon. This is at three, three, about 3.30 p.m. on Saturday. And then posts at 7.30 p.m. on Saturday, this photograph with the caption, Walking the Dog. Now, this tells me Tom King saw Jay Lee's response. This is Tom King twisting the knife and putting salt in the wound at the same time. Tom King is a despicable person. Now, that's my opinion. This is based on the, the, the behavior that he has demonstrated over the past weekend. 
And it is consistent <clears throat> with his attacks on other Asians, specifically Dean Cain. I'm not going to get into a lot of that, but the whole, you know, Dean Cain goes on Fox News and says, if I were playing Superman now, Dean Cain played Superman. If I were playing Superman now, I would not be able to say truth, justice, the American way. And as we've seen, there is no truth, justice in the American way anymore. You see that even in uh, in in Man of Steel, you know, truth, justice, all that stuff. Perry White says the American way has been stripped of Superman's moral code. And he's on Fox News, Dean Cain is, and he says, I wouldn't be able to say it. And Tom King goes after him and says, I put it in a book. Well, yeah, you put it in a book, Tom. But you put it in a book with those words in the mouth of Sergeant Rock, not Superman. And to attack Dean Cain and to call him names since he's played Superman, but also consider the fact that Dean Cain's real name is Tanaka. He is part Asian. And also, let's consider, while we're at it, since we've mentioned Peter Samedi, Peter Samedi is Asian-Italian. He's not white. And the comics industry goes after him accusing him of being part of this white supremacist, racist hate, hate group. Let's ask Kanan White if Comicsgate is racist. Kanan White is black. Let's ask Donald DeLay or Cecil Jones if Comicsgate is a bunch of alt-right Nazis because they're liberals. Comicsgate is a repudiation of the gatekeeping and the political pandering and the virtue signaling that we're seeing out of people like Bill Sienkiewicz, Gail Simone, Alex DeCampi, Rich Johnston, Tom King. And we were saying earlier, I was, I was saying earlier that at some point, <clears throat> Peter Samitti is a good example of this. Peter Samitti did, did not want to take sides. And even as 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 late as last week, we were talking to him uh, last uh, last Wednesday on this very show. He doesn't want to take sides. He's not comic skate, anti comic skate. Don't want to take sides. We just sell comics because that's what this is. You're selling funny books. You are selling a product that is words and pictures. You are not inventing the next great thing that's going to save the world. You are not negotiating world peace. You are not curing cancer. You're telling stories, and stories should entertain. Just some guy who is biracial in Chicago. So read that not white, Mark Wade. 
says this, quote, Tom King, a man who had to take a pledge to promise not to rape women because he apparently didn't already know not to do that, unironically tries to use his white male privilege to bully Asian artist Jay Lee. Oh, but Comicsgate is the hate movement. And if you go back and you look at just some guy's video, he does, he does point out something really interesting with regard to Tom King's time in the CIA. And we have seen this. Uh, there, there was a comment. Richard Meyer made a comment about uh, st stuff that he saw in Afghanistan. He mentioned at one point seeing mass graves the size of a tennis court because of what's been going on up there. You want a hate group? Look at the Taliban. You want a hate group? Look at the KKK. Or, speaking of the Taliban, we could talk about how U.S. troops were told to ignore the sexual abuse of boys. What about this Tom King who served in the CIA in Afghanistan? Are we going to, uh, if we're going to do this guilt by association, let's, let's do it. Let's go. Because if, if that's the case, then, Tom King, why are you still working at a company that, that protected sexual predators for decades? Eddie Berganza? Eric Esquivel? Oh, we all knew. Well, then why didn't you do something about it? But now you got a virtue signal because you've become a target of attention that you don't like. So now you got to deflect and you got to put something on somebody else and have them talking about that instead of talking about you. You don't want anybody talking about you unless they're fawning all over you. But instead, let's talk about Tom King getting fired off of Batman because the sales went down. Well, we want to talk about that. There is another aspect to this that I have not seen anyone talk about. So I'm not going to claim an exclusive on this, but this is, this is a point that has not been raised yet that I've seen. It might, somebody might have mentioned it, but I don't, I don't know for sure. Jay Lee did a cover for comic for for Cyberfrog to wrecked planet a couple of months ago. So this has been a while. Tom King had every opportunity to find out what Jay Lee was doing in the meantime. And in the time between posting, hey, Jay Lee did a did a cover for a hate group before sending that tweet, he could have contacted Jay Lee and said, Jay, I heard this thing. You want to tell me? Let's let's talk about this thing real quick. But instead, he's got to launch a, a, a preemptive public smear campaign. Again, this is Saul Alinsky stuff. Isolate the enemy. It's Saul Alinsky rule number 13. That's what's going on here, people. But stop and consider this. Jay Lee did this comic cover 
a couple of months ago. But Jay Lee has a history with CyberFrog. And this is not something that I've seen discussed anywhere. I want to go back to June of 1996 with this variant cover for CyberFrog number four, published by Harris Comics. This is a variant art cover by Jay Lee from 1996. This is before everybody went crazy. This is before there was Comicsgate. This is before anything was a thing. This is before Ethan Van Skyver got isolated and kicked out of, out of mainstream comics. This is before Tom King was even in comics. June 1996. Jay Lee did a cover for Cyberfrog, published by Harris Comics. So there's a history here. Jay Lee and Ethan Van Skyver have known each other for a very long time. And it could very well be that there was a conversation at some point, Ethan and Jay were kicking around this idea, hey, well, you know, it'd be kind of good for nostalgia reasons, why don't we bring you back and do another cover like you did, what's, what was that, 24, 24 years ago? 25 years ago? Nostalgia more than anything else. Two months ago, but now, see, but now, but now, Comicsgate. Comicsgate is a bad thing. We don't talk about Comicsgate. If you're part of Comicsgate, you're evil. This is 1984 BS. This is wrong think. This is, we've always been at war with East Asia. Speaking of being at war with Asians, let's expand our net. Let's cast our net a little bit wider here uh, for a little bit because there's a bigger, there's a bigger issue in play here. Uh, Robert in the chat, Ethan Van Skyver mentioned last night on the stream he'd like to ask artists who formerly did covers to do new covers. See, I and I and I, I I can totally understand that. You know, go full circle. People who did covers back in in the nineties, let's do new ones because one, not only do you have the nostalgia factor and you can you you have that continuity connecting pre past to present, but also you can do it's it's a time capsule. You look at Jay Lee's comic cover from 1986 and you look at his artwork from now and you can see how it's progressed. You see how his work has evolved. He's considered one of the greats in the current comics industry. Jay Lee has a, has a sterling reputation as an artist. It makes total sense to come back to the artists who did the covers before and say, hey, you want to do another one? Because Ethan Van Skyver just made a million dollars on this project. <clears throat> there is money to be made here. Jay Lee is in business. As an artist, he gets hired to do a job. He does the job. That's all he cares about. I'm going to make art. I'm going to write, you know, I'm going to tell stories. I'm going to do my thing. 
because this is what I enjoy doing, because people enjoy it, because people get joy from it. I make money. It's a business. But let's stop and consider here, and I really, 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 really hate to bring this up and quote bleeding cool, but here we go. This is posted July 26th. At least it's by Ray Fluke and not Rich Johnston. Headline, Daredevil star Peter Shinkoda accuses Jeff Loeb of racist comments. This is during the production of Daredevil. And apparently at Comic-Con at home, there was a panel. There was a Daredevil panel. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Cantor, Peter Shinkoda, and Tommy Walker were uh, on a live stream hangout. Uh, The hashtag, SaveDaredevilCon. Basically talking about, you know, we'd really like to see more Daredevil in this in this universe, in this continuity. I'm not going to play the video because I don't want to get a copyright strike, but we, I, I will link to it in the, in the notes. But Peter Shinkoda says that while they were doing this production, he was, he was told by the writers that there was a storyline involving uh, Nobu and Gao, Madame Gao, uh, and Jeff Loeb put the kibosh on it. Jeff Loeb at the time was in charge of Marvel Television. And according to Shinkoda, he was told that Jeff Loeb says nobody cares about Chinese characters and Asians. And Jeff Loeb spiked that entire subplot. The writers were told to drop the story arc and they were very apologetic to Peter Shinkoda. This is, of course... According to Peter Shinkoda, there's no there's no real good way to verify this at this point, unless somebody wants to go do some digging and talk to some of the people who are writers on that show. And I imagine some people will try to do that. But is this indicative of a bigger problem within the comics industry? Because Jeff Loeb not only was part of Marvel Television, he was at Marvel Comics. But you also stop and consider that that Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee worked together on The Long Halloween, a Batman title over DC Comics. Jim Lee is Asian. Jim Lee now runs DC Comics. And as far as I've seen, Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee have nothing but praise for each other. So is this Jeff Loeb looking at the television market And based on certain statistics being skewed certain ways, he just makes a blanket statement out of ignorance or out of uh, misinformed data. I mean, stop and consider that um, for a long while, there were fans clamoring for a Black Widow movie And Ike Perlmutter, according to reports, had said nobody wants a female lead superhero film. Look at Catwoman. Look at Supergirl. And Catwoman and Supergirl have been used for years as an excuse not to make a female superhero movie. Because those two movies did not do well in the box office. Not taking into account, and, and, and this goes back to what I say, Hollywood always learns the wrong lesson. 
it was not because the movies had female leads. It was because the movies were not very well done. The writing was bad to start with. You don't save a movie with great actors if your script is garbage. And that's really what we're looking at here. Catwoman was a terrible movie. This is Catwoman with Halle Berry, who isn't even really Catwoman. She's not playing Selena Kyle. Selena Kyle's not even in that movie. So it's not a Catwoman movie. She is a cat woman, I guess, kind of in the way where you've got uh, cat people would be the closest analog with Malcolm McDowell and Nastasia Kinski. That's more like what this Catwoman was than Catwoman. And Supergirl, as, as, as fine a performance Helen Slater brings, it's a low-budget, not very well-written movie. And it's kind of over the top with the villain, and it, it doesn't do the character justice. But that doesn't have anything to do with the fact that the fe the lead characters are female, and those two movies get pointed at. And you know, well, no, nobody wants to see them. Well, nobody wanted to see those because they were crap movies. Look at Wonder Woman, and now you look at all of the enthusiasm and the excitement for Wonder Woman 1984, and the excitement for for Black Widow. I think we will finally get that. Well. Uh, Electra, well, the Lara Croft movies are more video game movies than superhero movies. Um, I would say she probably, uh, yeah, I'd say video game adventure. She's more like Indiana Jones than, than anything else. Electra did okay, but again, Electra wasn't written very well. And it didn't do great in the box office. It did okay. But okay, it's not what anybody is wanting these days. They want a billion dollars. They want movies that are going to go so over the top in the box office, and they didn't have anything to point to and say, that superhero movie, you know, Resident Evil, uh, is a video game movie, and it's a horror flick. It's, it's a zombie movie. It's not a superhero film. If you're looking at superheroes, you're looking at capes, Catwoman and Supergirl are really the only ones that you've got out there. Electra kind of, yeah, okay. But Electra didn't didn't do as well as it probably could have because Daredevil did not do as well as it could have. These things kind of snowball in on each other. <clears throat> but regardless, those were the excuses. Nobody wants a female lead. You know, they ignore Alien. They ignore Terminator. And they do so because those aren't superheroes. They ignore Salt. I mean, Salt was a good was a good example. It was a it was a pretty good movie, I thought. Angelina Jolie playing a female James Bond type of character, and then you get con was it Electric Blonde, Concrete Blonde? What's that one that uh, Charlize Theron did? Atomic Blonde. Thank you. That seems to be fairly well received. So the tide is turning, I think, on female lead. Uh, superhero type of films. <clears throat> but is there a systemic bias, I'll say bias, in comics and in comics-related media uh, 
that might need to be addressed here? Are we making decisions based on ill-informed conversations and research? I don't know. That's the question. It's one of those things where if, if you stop and consider where we are and where we're going here in the next few months, it, once we get on the other side of this, and I, I, I don't think, I hope, I hope that Ethan is wrong about us being at the halfway point in a 10-year battle. Because I oh, look, let's let's be clear. I don't have any skin in the game. I don't write. I don't write comic books. I don't draw comic books. We've done some reviews of comic books. We're not associated, and I have not put any money into any of these projects in order to be able to maintain my claim of objectivity. I have my opinions, but I don't have any skin in the game. I don't have any reason to want these projects, any project to fail or succeed. I'm on the outside looking at it, all this mess. I want people to understand very clearly that this is my opinion based on what I'm observing other people's behavior to be. Now, Ethan Van Skyver has made a prediction that we've got a, probably another five years of this. I'm hoping it doesn't last that long. I don't think the comics industry can survive that long as it is currently constituted. I think the Indiegogo crowdfunding projects will continue to succeed. I think they will continue to make bank. And you'll see more people, more creators, using the model that we see from Brian Polito, from Ethan Van Skyver, from Richard Meyer, from Clint Stoker, from uh, uh, Eric Weathers, these guys, you know, uh, uh, Adam Post, R.T. Bear, they're going to start doing a series of books in crowdfunding. You get Cyberfrog, you get Cyberfrog 2, you get Cyberfrog Unforgettable, un Unforgettable Tales. There's a series there. Jawbreakers, same thing. Black and white, we're probably going to get some stuff. Yo, know, uh, Billy Teach, Billy Tucci doing uh, doing Miss Fury, and she, Brian Polito doing is it is it late? Who's doing Lady Death? Who's got Lady Death? Is that Bar is that Polito? Yeah, Brian Polito doing Lady Death. These these are series of books that are going to be coming out, and then you have people like the Brightweisers doing Allegiance Arts getting into Walmart. The landscape of comics is changing, and the big two, Marvel and DC, and then Image and IDW and, and Dark Horse, those are not the only games in town anymore. And we're seeing with the distribution model changing, Diamond is not the only game in town anymore. Things are changing. And at some point, and you get these people like Jay Lee who come under attack for no reason at all, other than I'm going to take attention off of me and I'm going to put it someplace else. Let me throw some red meat over the fence and the dogs can go over there. Bark, bark, bark. This virtue signaling BS 
from the 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 professionals so-called i use that term loosely because none of them are acting professional this is what's doing harm to an entire industry and i've said before i you know, I, I i don't want this show to be always about comics this show is about a lot of different things. We interview a lot of different people. We had we had uh, Jim Remar from the Kansas Cosmosphere here last Tuesday. I don't want to be spending every single episode talking about comics. But what's going on in the comics industry right now is a microcosm. It is a microcosm of everything everywhere. It is a microcosm and an example in a Petri dish to show everybody this is what happens when political ideology informs your gatekeeping. It is not about, again, I want to be, I want to be very clear. This is not about political party anymore, if it ever was. It's not about conservative liberal even, because the comics gate movement, there are a lot of people on all sides of the political aisle. On that, there are conservatives, there are liberals, there are libertarians. There's uh, gay, straight, Asian, white, black. I mean, uh, comics gate is a mix, and there's a mix on the professional side. This is not about political party. This is not about how you vote anymore, except how you vote with your dollars. This is about power and control. Who has it? Who wants to keep it? And how desperate are they to keep that power? And I want to tell everybody who's watching, everybody who's listening, you, as the consumer, you, as the customer, you, ultimately, have the power. You decide. You decide what products you're going to buy. You decide what books, what comic books, what movies, what YouTube channels. You decide what you're going to put your time and money and attention to. And those of you who watch our videos and listen to our podcasts, thank you. Because there are a ton of people out there doing the same kind of thing that we do. And I appreciate each and every one of, the, of you who come here and spend time with us and give us your attention. I, I, I truly appreciate everybody who comes and pays attention to what we do. Because I think what we do is pretty good. I, uh, no, I'm, we, we have some great content. And there's more to come. And it's not about politics. It's not about appeasing the right crowd. The right crowd that has to be appeased, if you want to go that route, is the paying customer. Harrison Ford had it right. They're not fans. They're customers. And that is gets lost in this mix. And there are a lot of people out there who go to the movies, who watch the TV shows, 
who read comic books, who don't even know any of this is going on. They don't care about the drama. But the people who are aware of the drama, it's driving those people away. And it's time, it's well past time that that stops. But remember, at the end of the day, ultimately, you, as the consumer, you have the power to make it stop. You, with your dollars, you, with your time, you have the power to say, enough is enough. Little bit of business here. If you want to save some money on stuff, superherostuff.com, 10% off, uses promo code sci fi for me 10 at checkout. Thank you very much for being here today. We are, like I said, we're going to try to get more interviews in uh, this week and next. We're going to uh, line some stuff up here to have some conversations because it's, you know, as, as much as I'm perfectly fine ranting for an hour, that is not uh, the primary purpose of this show. We're going to try to get some more people in here and have conversations on a lot of different topics and try to get away from comics for a while. So anyway, thanks very much for being here. Uh, if you are listening in the audio format, uh, you can uh, see the show live Monday through Thursday on our YouTube channel at noon central. And in the meantime, we do invite you to take a look at the other videos that we've got on our channel. And uh, coming up through the week, uh, let me do this here real quick. Tonight, we've got uh, another Comic-Con update with the latest cancellations. Uh, that's coming up about 6.30. The H2O podcast tonight at 8 o'clock. Tomorrow night, Salacious Crumbs at 8. Tribble Bites on a special night, Wednesday at 8 o'clock. Uh, Tartar Sauce, Thursday at 9. The Ranker Pit, Friday at 8. And then Good Morning Multiverse, Saturday at 9 a.m. So we've got a full week ahead. We hope you stick around. And uh, if you are not already, we do invite you to subscribe. Hit the notification bell so you get uh, some notice that we're going to do that. But you can see our schedule over on our Facebook page and the headers and all of our social media. And we do invite you to join us there. And uh, tomorrow we will do this again, noon, here live from the bunker. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Bye. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.